Before we begin this episode, make sure to subscribe to our podcast wherever you're listening so you don't miss out on new episodes. Welcome back to Fan One Land, and it's time to fall down the queerest rabbit hole with us once again. We're thrilled to welcome one of the Fab Five from the original Queer Eye, and that's the original, not the Netflix version, for those that are confused, Jay Rodriguez. <laughs> welcome, Jay, and thanks Hi. for giving up time to chat with us. First of all, thank you for acknowledging that you and I are now mutually going down the, the queer rabbit hole. I'd like that to be just stated before this interview, so we all know where we're headed. There's no confusion. We got it. First, before we touch on Queer Eye fully, because we're going to, I'd like to chat about your acting career, which firstly includes being Angel yeah. in Rent in the Toronto cast. Yeah. Yes, yeah, so I did Toronto right out of high school for a year and then got moved to Broadway and did it for four years. And so Queer Eye became my New York City waiter job. When I was 19 and joined the Broadway cast after a year in Toronto, I uh, was the youngest person ever cast in a leading role in the Broadway production of Rent. Um, at 19, I did take over the role of Angel, and it was life-changing because I remember looking down to the exact seat that I had slept in the streets to get rush tickets for, which were sold t- two hours before the show at $20 for the first two rows. To Jonathan Lar- Larson's legacy was uh, meant to keep theater affordable, and he would do this lottery, or rather it was first come, first served. Later, they realized that was kind of technically difficult and scalpers were just buying tickets so they now created a lottery which Lin-Manuel Miranda who is the creator of shows like In the Heights as well as Hamilton now does a lottery for which is where Rent definitely landed and so for me that was the beginning of my career and many uh, people who are from New York or happen to be people of a certain age remember that but for the young kids many people don't even know that the Netflix version is a reboot of an original version and that's a Queer Eye, not Rent, by the way, for those that... Yeah, that's Queer Eye, yeah, of course. Yeah, Rent is, uh, yeah. No, because I was going to I came across Rent with the Fox version last year, and then I've sort of just that's right. backtracked that. Um, but that was sort of my intro to the world, which is... It yeah, wasn't I mean, if I you Google Fox Jay Rodriguez... Yeah, if you Google Jay Rodriguez Rent, pictures of me on stage or backstage... Uh, definitely come up of, of me in that role. It was half a decade of my life. It was the most informative years. And um, my college experience was working with people um, like Mike McElroy and Joy Fatone and Mel B from Spice Girls, all people who've been in the show, as well as really having a tribe that I was inspired by, people like Billy Porter, who's now getting global recognition for his role um, as Pray Tell on Pose. Um, you know, these were people that were in my circle that were inspiring to me and really formed who I am as a human. That's the same Billy with the tuxedo dress, yes? That is the same Billy with the tuxedo dress. The iconic Oscar Christian Siriano dress. Also, also on the acting, I know there's a few fans that will be quite happy to hear about The Magicians. You were also on. Yeah. So I play this Spanish magician, um that comes in for the Walters tournament, which is like the annual uh, magic tournament. Now, if you don't know what the magicians are, essentially it feels like Harry Potter, the college years. And it's adult version of a magic school where people are plucked from modern day and aren't aware they have magical powers and they're sent to the school to develop them. I play a Spaniard who comes in and like, 
basically be friends at a party. One of the lead characters who's uh, in a, uh, I guess, a sort of uh, magical relationship with this uh, queen from a foreign land. And she's on another planet. And we have this, I guess you would say, kind of digital uh, magical three-way where he's having sex with me and her at the same time, but in two different places in history. And so it's just worth the watch for that. But beyond that, you know, I've had the grace, I've had the opportunity to be the first male to garner fame off reality, to be series regular uh, on a network show here in the States and about and all over the, uh, the world. It's called Malibu Country. It was myself, Reva McIntyre, the country singer, and Lily Tomlin, uh, originally from obviously 9 to 5 and Laugh-In, but also currently on Grace and Frankly, which airs on Netflix. And so, um, you know, we were this incredible sitcom that ran for one season, still available on ABC.com based on where you are. And, uh, you know, it's one of those moments that I'll never forget. I've, I've uh, done pretty much every role I'd want to do. So at this point in my career, I'm able to pick the jobs I want to take. And the, I think another one that a lot of people probably know, you know, probably weren't aware you're in, but would know of the show is How I Met Your Mother. How I Met Your Mother, I play Wayne Brady, who, uh, by the t- by the way, the, um, the star of uh, Whose Line Is It Anyway? If you get Let's Make a Deal, the current version that's airing in the States, then that is the host. Um, he's an incredibly famous black uh, comedian who is an improvisational artist. And I mean that purely. If you told him your name, where you're from, and your occupation, he could completely, with his band improvisationally write an entire song in the moment that rhymes. It is the wildest thing. That being said, he was also Neil Patrick Harris's gay brother who was adopted. And I played his husband for uh, two episodes. And uh, oddly, because of the high frequency of watchers for that series, that's another thing that I get recognized for, even though I was on only two episodes. And, and one that I happily came across last night, and it turns out you're the second guest we've had that's been in a Gaga video, the first being Rick Gonzalez. The, Jay's also been in the telephone music video with Beyonce and Gaga. You know, just... Fun fact, <laughs> Jay Rodriguez and the Queer Eye original crew were the presenters for Beyonce when she won her first major solo award, meaning she was straight out of Destiny's Child VMAs, she wins for Crazy in Love. The Queer Eye Boys are the presenters. After that, she had us introduce her at a big gay nightclub called The Roxy in New York. And when I saw her on set for Crazy in Love, after running to her a bunch of times backstage at events, uh, we had the biggest hug, and it was the coolest moment because uh, the um, the director of the, of the Gaga's um, movie video was uh, Jonas Ackerland, who was a huge Queer Eye fan and was like, oh my God, I can't. And he like gave me the full star treatment uh, when he ran into me. It was lovely. But moreover, it was kind of cool to be a part of history because Gaga and I share a very similar path. And in fact, I was able to see her when I was living in New York when she was just a, uh, just a budding new artist. And, and the other one that, again, people probably wouldn't have been away you're on, was Bones. Yeah, Bones. I terribly. I, if you watch the series Bones, there was a hairdresser who had his uh, superior, who's like the owner of the salon and the key stylist, murdered. 
and he seemed empathetic, and he seemed lovely, and he seemed like he was so concerned about his boss being murdered, only find out that my character had committed the crime himself. Um, and it's a gruesome episode, but it's really funny for me because it was one of those roles where people are watching the entire time and there's this giant shift at the end. So I've enjoyed watching it with friends and have them say, oh my God, Jay, no! I'll have to go back and watch some of these episodes now that you've described them. Yeah. <laughs> the other one you've mentioned actually off air, which didn't really come across uh, majorly, is it's called the Horizon series. And Jay told me yeah. it is on YouTube currently. I'll, I'll let Jay yeah. describe it because he described so, it so brilliantly. <laughs> yeah, so I, the best way I can say it is it reminds me of Queer as Folk. Um, it is an Aussie-based series produced and written by and directed by Boaz, um, who is just an incredible uh, director, Oswald Patrick James, who plays Wilma. And it's just basically the world's most viewed uh, web series and that's a competitive market. So to be from Sydney, Australia, and have the world's most viewed web series is saying a lot. Um, and so I come in in season five and six, which is available for free on YouTube. And it's beautifully shot. You would think it's a film that would air on one of the major networks, but it is a web series. So each episode is under 15 minutes. But they're thoughtfully produced with an emphasis on safer sex practices and HIV prevention and treatment. And it's about a group of friends who are just navigating their way through life and love and all the subtle idiosyncrasies that people experience during that journey. Um, and I play an American cabaret star who garners fame probably off a reality series here in the States, but is on tour in Australia. And I link up with the, um, the player of the bunch, uh, as it were. And so um, just an incredible actor. And so I, I'm really proud of that series. Because, yeah, I was going to say that's, Apart from our show, which we've covered, being one day at a time, I don't think there's really been safe gay sex talk in general series, just sure. in general, for our yeah. community. Like, yeah, it's been... Absolutely, and now that we're streaming things so often, mm. we're watching these on our phones so often, so web series, as long as they're shiny and capture the audience's attention, are, you know, quite becoming the space that people really enjoy yeah i think it's 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 sadly kind of rare at the moment but i know something we discussed with isabella gomez was the fact that it was covering you know like safe lesbian sex something that had never happened on the screen before weirdly uh given where we yeah. are in the in the world at the moment you would think we would have well and truly covered that sort of thing by now you know a lot better and a lot more, but mm. somehow yeah. we still haven't. Um, so I think it's good to see that sort of thing being covered, regardless of whether it's a web series, whether yeah. it's a, well, it's not a Netflix series now. Um, for those that missed it, one day at a time got picked up on Pop, which I believe CBS, yep. CBS owned, I think. Um, yeah, I just actually was at an award show for a big advocacy group here in LA or in the California called Equality California, and uh, Rita Moreno, who plays the grandmother, was honored in being a New York City Puerto Rican myself as well. Um, I was asked to emcee the event with RuPaul's Drag Race star, Carmen Carrera. And the two of us in tandem emceed while Rita was honored, and the, Isabel was uh, the person to introduce her. 
and it's a, such a great cast. But again, it's it's those sort of things that really frustrate. We've got that good representation, and then suddenly Netflix is like, nah, we're not getting enough views." Like, why can't for some of them? Why can't we just go? The fans appreciate it, regardless of numbers. The fans are very much talking about it. Let's, you know, why can't we carry this on? Which is, it just really confuses me in that regard when it's that sort of show with that sort of rare representation. You know, it's yeah. like that sort, that sort of thing just is, it just irks me when we've got such good shows and then suddenly they make, they weirdly get pulled or cancelled for not enough views when sure. you know, we're screaming for that representation and it's just never there. Yeah, I agree. And I think that what's a struggle is just seeing um, the uh, conversations had. And I think that when you are any level of like heteronormative or cisgendered uh, gay person, you get an easy pass. And then when you have conversations that are difficult or honest, a.k.a. honest, a lot of times programming or networks shy away from that kind of content and don't consider it, quote, family friendly. I would argue that families exist in all sizes and young kids are quite perceptive. And in their journey, there's many of them who will sooner know what you're talking about than you think they do. And so while it seems tricky to say, how can I unpack this for a nine-year-old or how can like my teenager who's watching this series understand this teenage girl's lesbian uh, journey, I would say that you're underestimating the mindset of children and where they're living now. It's not the generation that their parents lived in. No, and I think that's, that was why I was... Well, I think we screamed so much when Netflix goes, oh, we've cancelled it. We're going, but why? Like, for someone that deals with anxiety, someone that deals with depression, like, that was something I'd never seen so accurately betrayed in a show, and yet in the... Well, I can't, I can never say not last. Third season of One Day at a Time, they covered anxiety, depression, safe lesbian sex, uh, two lesbians being, or a lesbian and a non-binary being harassed because they were holding hands. And like, that's the sort of stuff we never get covered. And I'm like, why would you cancel that? Yeah. Like, that's the, that's the representation we've been after for so long. And I think that's just a really frustrating thing it's just, and so when with Queer Eye, which we'll get to in a second, that's I know about it briefly because I think I got it on network just very briefly towards the end, so I just vaguely remember bits. But like, I can't tell you where we can watch it in Australia because Netflix hasn't put it on, given they've got the reboot. Yeah, I feel like it's sometimes really we weird. get screen grabs. I feel like it's somewhere in like syndication in some weird place that they're repeating it because I do feel like it gets screen grabs from Australia. But I will say it is one of those series where I think there are things, moments, and of course experiences that we shot in places that no longer exist. So maybe some network is like, well, that store is no longer open. It seems weird. Like, So I don't know. I mean, for me, I, you're right. Like, I feel obviously torn about this issue because I don't want to be buried but honored at certain events or being like a pioneer in the community and having done this journey and having no presence on the queer eye social media um, it's like the queer eye social 
only acknowledges, even today, like the week of our 16th anniversary, no acknowledgement of the pioneer cast. That's sad to me, mm. you know, and I am not a producer of the show, but I do have an Emmy for the show. And when last year the show won an Emmy, they didn't include the hosts. And they're not hosts. They're hosts and producers. I've done the show. I've spoken to this cast. I think it's a little selfish. And I think it's like really absent-minded of either the union who is giving out this award, the, the um, academy, I should say, or the producers for not uh, giving the on-air cast the producer credit that they so deserve. I've now had the opportunity to work in hundreds of episodes of television in many spaces after Queer Eye. And I think the truth is, the real truth is, now having spoken and worked with some of the best producers in the industry in this space, they are functioning as not just cast, but producers for content that forms what the show is. And for that, they should always receive an Emmy when the show wins Outstanding Reality Series. Is, In my opinion. That is just bizarre that they that that's the case and they don't. Yeah. Now, since we're managing Queer Eye, and this is what we are going to mainly talk about, okay, do you, as, as a lot of people apparently don't know, you were the culture vulture. Yeah, it was well, Karamo before Karamo... <laughs> We Technically, still are the culture vulture. No one ever took it off you. <laughs> That's right. I don't believe they he, that he goes by that. Um, you know, it was one of those categories where people didn't quite understand how to play out this role, specifically on the network level. The whole goal was to basically edu- educate the guy to be more of a renaissance man in any situation. So you're emotionally gearing him to propose or assert himself at work or... Um, you know, set up an art gallery showing and know what the objectives are when you're an artist showing, um, how to speak to people. I mean, we did all kinds of things. And, uh, but it was the hardest category because the producers would be thoughtful in their approach to every category and build them a dossier of which we'd all read together at the same time on Monday morning meetings. The problem was my category was always not tangible. It always seemed like a conversation or a therapist situation. And those were topics or issues that didn't play well for camera. And oftentimes the producers were like, on network level, would say, we need to see Jay do something more visual. At least that was how it was presented to me. Um, Which kind of diluted what I was able to do, but also at 24 and 25, it would have been trickier to, you know, assert myself uh, in a way that a 30-plus person would have the life experience to talk about. Because yeah, uh, for those that are not aware of what that entailed generally, it's generally like culture, relationships, and social interaction, generally speaking, um, which I think for a lot of us, or a lot, of, or some that, at least in myself included, um, as someone who's non-binary, not the greatest socially um I mean, is there is there like a general approach that you had, you know, say say for yes, yeah. so we were one of the first series ever, and I had to remind the executive producers who had uh, they weren't super hands on the folks who are running the ship now in our version, maybe on a network level, but they lived in Los Angeles, and the people that I attribute 
uh, most of what happened on camera too are people like Linda Lee, who is a lesbian, uh, a power producer in New York who created Chopped, that my former co-host Ted Allen is the host of, uh, which is a food competition show. And Lynn Sadovsky. I remember those two women being executives that were our day-to-day that crafted and formulated the kind of content that we built. The reason why I think the original Queer Eye was successful was because they were the executive producers. A lesbian woman and a cisgendered heterosexual woman. Um, They navigated and helped us craft our stories. And I believe it's per that view that made the show successful. In my mind. So when when I say the general approach, so say um... yeah, I mean, so we always we always like we made over people who were uh, gender non-binary, not gender non-conforming. We also made over the first trans people, and people forget that uh, we made over the first trans male uh, in two thousand and four or five, I believe. His name is Miles. He lives in Brooklyn with his roommate, who was trans, but had decided not to uh, begin any kind of level of hormone therapy, so was often misgendered because to many people, he presented as she. And so they struggled with their pronoun. Um, and, and as much as I'm aware of those pronouns, I too would have just assumed that it was uh, a person who happened to be um, a lesbian as opposed to a human who was uh, either gender non-binary or identifying as a trans man. Um, and I think that's why it's really important to ask people's pronoun before engaging, um, you know, and when I did, I've done a lot of prides this summer uh, here in the U.S. and every person in all my cue cards included people's pronouns, regardless of how they presented. And so, so that's something that, you know, for a lot of our listeners aren't aware that that's something I've actively started doing is even before we had Jay on, I checked, I checked Jay's pronouns. And that's just, that's just the least, little least thing you can do that will make someone feel a bit more comfortable that will let them represent how they would like to be rather than just... And let me just say, this is not new. This is like people who are living as gender non-binary people or people who are trans are not new to the experience. They're just getting visibility now. So folks who feel like, I don't understand this. Where are these folks coming from? They've always been with us. I met my first trans person when I was 18 right out of the house. Like, Rosie in Toronto, former Canadian military veteran who transitioned after, um, was like my grandmother or my mother figure while I lived there and would make me a meal and a drink every time I came to her home after. And she was a transgender woman. And, you know, I, I had the great fortune of understanding uh, the experience far, be- far before I moved to New York. And certainly now, as I see my elders in the community, um, who feel like they fought for the rights that they currently have, but are weary of fighting for trans folks. I find them their struggle interesting because as subversive as the movement was for the queer community to gain access, acceptance via different folks who came out who happened to be able to pass as heteronormative like Ricky Martin and Neil Patrick Harris um, and so many others, um, the journey is about fighting for all folks who exist under the LGBTQ plus IA spectrum. It's not just about the cisgender passing, you know, folks who, who, who graze through life without ever knowing the discrimination that our brothers and sisters face who are other. 
Yeah, you said you've done a lot of prides lately. Is that as host, has it? Yeah, so I've done some at host. Um, I've performed. I've done, you know, my music or done a set of covers or comedy or emceed. This weekend I emceed at uh, San Diego Pride where I introduce people like Grace and Chance and King uh, King Princess as well as uh, Melissa Etheridge and so many others. It was there. Uh, they called it the Stonewall Pride Stage. Um, it was my great honor to be hosting as we reach 16, our 16-year anniversary for the original Queer Eye. You just said King Princess, yes? Yeah, King Princess, uh-huh. I, I know there's a lot of uh, listeners that absolutely adore her. <laughs> yeah, she's fantastic. And by the way, let me just say this. She was having a great time at Pride, if you know what I mean. <laughs> I don't actually don't Take doubt that. that. You will. I mean, she's very open on her Instagram a lot. Like, great. So you got exactly man. what I'm talking about. Oh, I did. Yes, yeah. so I reckon a lot of our listeners will as well. It's just, I, I think it's just who she is, and it's really good that she's able to do that without being judged. Like, think back to you know. Yeah. You know, back in the early 2000s, that would have been an entirely different thing. Like, 100%. Like, there's no way it would have been. Uh, and I think that that's probably evident as well in the fact that, like, Queer Eye actually uh, changed from Queer Eye for the Straight Guy to Queer Eye. I think it was third season. Now, by it? the way, do you know when that change happened? I think it was season three, wasn't it? If I've been doing my research right. Season two season of two. the original Queer Eye. They dropped for the straight guy after the first season. They did 10 episodes before the straight guy. But unfortunately, the branding existed so hard in people's names. That's all they remembered. But officially mm. on air, it was only uh, for the straight guy for season one. Oddly. Yeah. And I think that's why. And that, that's really bizarre. Again, with the Netflix version that they didn't, you know, leading up to the Netflix version that they didn't bring on the OG Queer Eye because that's exactly what I think exactly they wanted, wanted to not dilute the brand. I think for them, they wanted to create their own new stars and they successfully have done that. Yeah, that's Look, it's yeah. not the model of the show. Some producers tried convincing me it's the model of the show. It's not about you guys. Well, let me tell you, the model of the show has been replicated not only by these producers with Queer Eye for the Straight Girl, but also many other Queer Eye spinoffs or shows that mimicked the format. And those have never done well in TV terms. So the truth is it really is about the lightning in a bottle moment when you, when you assemble a cast of folks and they're all like-minded toward the same agenda. Yeah. And that, that also includes an Australian version. I never even knew existed. (laughs) Right. There you go. And as you said, needless to say, it didn't take off. Um, Yeah. And and I think in saying that, yeah, Australia is very much different a different ball game for some reason. I don't know whether we're more picky or because we've had like the US has a lot of shows that are really successful. Then we try and do them here and they just don't work. And I'm not sure right. whether that's I mean, just there's the... definitely a, agreed. There's probably like a cultural thing also where, for instance, rom coms don't translate well in other languages, which is why there was a death of the romantic comedy. Um, because the Catherine Heigl, Julia um, Roberts kind of comedy space um, became too generalized toward America, and the jokes were too American. Um, 
But anyway, and I'm like super obsessed about coming back to Australia. Where are you from in Australia? Hobart. Where everyone knows. Where are you from? Tasmania. Tasmania? No, I know that place. You guys developed the uh, Tasmanian devil. <laughs> that can't be a thing. Is that a real animal? Yes, the devil is. The tiger's extinct. <laughs> the devil's uh, very uh, real. Yes. <laughs> got it. But they don't... Why are they spinning like that? Do they actually spin like that? Just a cartoon. Just a cartoon. That's, that, that's not a real thing, thank goodness. <laughs> yeah, thank God. I, I, I love fun? that oh, most Americans think that's an actual thing. <laughs> well, I was like, I don't think I've ever seen a Tasmanian devil. And so I thought, if they just honestly get some weird dance training down under where they know how to do a pirouette for days, <laughs> like, that's confusing to me. <laughs> I, I, I love that that's an actual thing that Americans think exists. It's, it's a beautiful yeah. thing. No, uh, they're actually, if you, <laughs> if you just Google it, they're just a somewhat cute, black little, ferocious animal. Listen, um, let me just tell you something. You guys are exotic creatures to us. Walk oh, up yeah. with an Australian accent, we're like, we should give them everything. They're definitely smarter than us. We're sure cooler. Like the accent just sounds way cooler. And so Americans are like, I don't know. They just had an accent. It seemed cool. They're probably fine. <laughs> I gave them my car keys. Is that weird? <laughs> yeah, that, yeah the, the one thing I'm trying, I'm, I'd really like is to like see, you know, whether it's the OG Fat Five or the current, like to see them. I know they've come to Australia to yes, because yes. Um, but like, Myself included, I've got no sense of style whatsoever. And I'm just like, I need someone with a decent fashion sense for a non-straight person. Do you know what I love? The original Queer Eye guy, Tom, said our style comes from the things that we surround ourselves with. Whether you realize it or not, if you were to go around, and this is how he did it, he said, pick five items from different genres, your favorites, album cover, your favorite shirt, your favorite whatever, and just compile them. There tends to be some level of a through line. It might be a color, it might be a texture, there might be a vibe that they all have that you are unaware of. And I never thought about it that way, but he was really right, you know? And for me, it's like, I'm really exotic. I'm really um, attracted to exotic colors or, or tropical colors, whether it's bright fuchsias or teals and things that remind me of some place like Miami or Bali or wherever that it is exotic and there's sun and everything's bright and festive. Like that's definitely the vibe I'm attracted to, which I wouldn't have realized via the way I dress. And so sometimes it's just about, you know, having some outside point of view that comes in and is like, you know what, actually you do have a style. And I think it's this based on X, Y, and Z. And that's what I think I am quite a few other people need is just that that little guiding hand to go, yeah, this yeah. is this is what works. Just and because quite often it's just not obvious to some of us, right? <laughs> and just just quickly for those that are interested and something I will certainly be looking at. Jay's also co-authored Queer Eye for the Straight Guy, the Fab Five's Guide to Looking Better, Cooking Better, Dressing Better, Behaving Better, and Living Better, which is a mouthful of a name. <laughs> Oh, geez, I just dropped you almost. Hold on. You still there? There you are. Okay, that is the books. There they are. That's where I keep them. The queer books. Oh, they're separate ones, are they? 
they came in different colors because we were gay and we had to have many different colors. Um, but yeah, I think they're all brown actually, and that's just a wrapping that they use for them. They're different color wrapped. Um, but the new kids do have one as well, and so it became a New York Times bestseller at twenty four with that one, and it was a great opportunity, you know. And, I, and it's so long ago now, but I think some of the tips are just quite relevant. And then for me, you know, now I'm the host of the first ever nationally syndicated. LGBTQ plus um, radio station that actually listeners can listen to um, off radio.com. Uh, it's an app that's available to anyone living anywhere in, uh, in the world. And you just search Channel Q and I host the morning drive, which would be the U.S. Pacific time from 6 a.m. to 10 a.m. I'm not exactly sure what time that is in Australia, but if you happen to be by a computer, your cell phone, um, absolutely tune in. We cover everything from Trump to the Kardashians and all the issues that impacted the, the LGBTQ plus community. And for me, it's been a really life-changing experience. I'm, I'm definitely going to have a listen to that later. <laughs> as well as Dance Moms. Don't you guys get Dance Moms? I believe so. Now, I think you hosted a reunion I for that. I believe so. Yeah, it's fun more like. Um, so, so Dance Moms is a show that's about this uh, very aggressive teacher, dance teacher in Pittsburgh, which is a, um, a city in Pennsylvania, one of the states here in the U.S. And, uh, and it's, it created global superstars like um, a girl named Maddie Ziegler, who was the key dancer for all the Sia videos. That little girl in the Sia videos, she came from the show Dance Moms. And Dance Moms, I know, airs in Australia because I know they've done tours there with the dancers. And I am their official Andy Cohen. So the way Housewives is uh, reunioned, by Andy Cohen. I do the same things for Dance Moms, and we are just in season eight right now, airing in the U.S., and I imagine it's about to air uh, in Australia quite soon, because um, we're about eight episodes in here in the States, so I'd imagine they're going to drop it for you guys soon. I believe that going to be Fox too, I reckon, yeah. Yeah. I think yeah. that's the ones that usually cover the, sh the real reality stuff like that, so... Got it. Yeah. Now, thank you once again for giving up your time to chat with well, us thank today. you. Absolutely. Oh, God, I forgot. Um, thank you again. And if anyone wants to give a follow, I'm at official J-A-I Rodriguez on Instagram or at J Rodriguez on Twitter or official J Rodriguez fan page on Facebook. And I sadly am too active on my social media. So, you know. Which will all be in the links below as everyone is. Yeah, just right slide now. into those DMs, people. Slide into the DMs. Now, I've been your host, TJ, alongside J Rodriguez. And we'll see you all in the next episode.